no family member should ever join a family business that a family business should join the family members. So what are their strengths? What are their interests? Mm. If we've got 30 years before the, they're realistically interested in or going to be able to take over the business, what trajectory can I just gently put us on now that just a 1% difference now that in 10 years time is going to be able to meet them at their stride. So as they're going forward. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Coffee Break Podcast, where our mission is to share business ideas, practices, and strategies while we enjoy our cup of coffee. Today's guest is Stephen Short. He's going to be talking about secession planning, especially for family businesses. Uh, This is a thing, especially in our industry, but this is a thing across all industries, working on where are we headed to next. He's going to give you a couple of practical pieces of advice, some options for what an end of a life of a business looks like uh, or what an end of a life of a business doesn't have to look like. He's going to share a lot of practical information, share some of his story of why it's important to him, and we're going to have a wonderful conversation about that. I think it's going to be very impactful for you at, at whatever level of the business that you're in. If you're in an ownership capacity, maybe a next generation leader Or maybe you're an employee of a family business that says, hey, uh, what kind of is going to happen over the next couple of years? Let me be intentional about that. So get ready for a fantastic conversation there. But before we do that, I do want to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already. It's free, and we've got lots of episodes. Somebody said the other day it's over 200 episodes or getting close to that. So we definitely want to invite you to subscribe and go check out the other episodes because there's many more around topics similar to this that are impactful to you and your business. You can do that by subscribing on whatever audio platform that you're listening to right now, or you can find us on YouTube and Facebook. Just search for LockDoc Security, and uh, there's going to be tons of videos to pop up there for you. Make sure you subscribe, follow. A brand new episode comes out every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. So grab your cup of coffee and get ready for this conversation. We got so much to say. We got a podcast to make. We're sipping on lattes, and it's time for a coffee break. Time for a coffee break. Oh, yeah. Stephen, cool. thank you for joining us today, all the way from Dublin, Ireland. This is pretty exciting. I, I we've had several guests from overseas before, but none from Ireland that I can recall. So thank you for being the first. My pleasure. Great to be here. We're going to be talking um, through the podcast today about secession planning and. You know, we we see this a lot in our industry, and I'm sure you'll have some more context to give us an understanding of this across the world of small business, especially as it relates to family business. Um, But before we get into that, there is a little thing that we do here. It's called Rapid Fire. Five randomly selected questions just to get under your skin with unknown point values, and then we will give you a score at the end. Are you ready to go? Sure. That my competitive interest has peaked. All right. Question number one. What is the next big purchase that you're currently saving for? Next big purchase. Uh, well, I just made a big purchase, which is an electric car. Um, so the next big purchase is probably going to be a family holiday to something somewhere, somewhere cool. Family holiday. What kind of electric car did you purchase? Uh, Model Y. Okay. Tesla. All right. All right. Did you get the performance? No, uh, I got the the long range because we don't have, Ireland isn't, we have a lot of superchargers, but not enough everywhere. So I figured, right, I'll um, err on the side of caution. But to be honest, it's my first electric car. So even without the performance, the acceleration is yeah. just astronomical. <laughs> 
<laughs> awesome. Very cool. Congratulations. All right. Question number two. Uh, what have you done that you didn't like, but you would be willing to give it another shot? Something you tried, you didn't um, necessarily like, but you're going to try it again. Oh, well, if it's, I'm going to try it again, I definitely can't say an ex-girlfriend then because my wife will listen to this podcast. Um, something that I didn't like that I would try again. Well, so I'm one of the few Irish people you'll meet that doesn't drink alcohol. So not by any, not because I had a too good of a time in my twenties and thirties and I'm not allowed to drink alcohol anymore. I just got into the habit of, of driving and not drinking. Sure. Um, so I didn't really enjoy it because it wasn't something that I wanted to do all the time, but I wouldn't be against on a, on occasion having a, a couple of beers or a glass of champagne or something like that. All right. I like it. Question number three, what do you think would be the worst thing about being famous? Uh, probably not having any time to yourself, mm. not being able to actually sit and, and comfortably reflect and the people that are around you, that you know that they're around you because they want to help you or they're, that they're invested in you as opposed to wanting something from you. Yeah, I can definitely see that. That would be, that, I think that would be a challenge, an ongoing challenge for sure. All right, uh, let's see. I think we're at question number four. What age did you think that you become an adult when and when did you actually think you became an adult i'll try that what question again because that was probably yeah yeah no i what, yeah at what age did you think that you would become an adult and then what age do you actually think you became an adult my wife might say i haven't fully grown up but um if we are i mean i grew up in a family business so i mean i grew up answering phone calls doing like selling big ticket items at like 13 14 years of age so i kind of figured that i kind of figured i I kind of became an adult when I was making proper sales for the business, which was about 14, 15. When did I think I'd become an adult? Probably 17, 18, kind of 18 is the legal age in Ireland. So um, it, that's everything, uh, car, drinking, um, jobs, everything else. So 18 is kind of the 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 normal age. I probably figured I'd become an adult around that time. But I think looking back now, I grew up earlier than that yeah interesting all right question number five are you currently going through any type of phase uh phase no um i mean i'm 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 constantly trying to innovate looking trying to be creative like looking at different ways of doing things so like i'm there's I don't know whether it's a phase or it's just as I evolve and I move things along. In our in our business, we're just implementing EOS, uh, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Um, so we're in six months really into that properly. So we're going for, we had our first quarterly review that wasn't our visionary. Are you familiar with EOS? I'm very familiar with EOS. Okay. Um, so we've had our first quarterly, which was great. We just took on a new person. Um, so we're in our 90 days until our first annual planning. So I suppose we're in a startup phase of EOS, even though the business has been around for 40 years. I like it. Uh, that is, it's, it, it is intriguing. I would probably answer that question by saying, I wouldn't know if I was in a phase until after I got out of it. Um, well, so I suppose we do a lot of stuff with psychometrics and personality. So I, I'm, I'm always looking at trends. So if I'm behaving differently or if I'm doing things that are different, I'm kind of more, I suppose, aware of it and knowing whether it's a, a an adjustment or a trend, you're probably right. It's only after you're out of it that you go, oh my God, I can't believe that I liked anime for that long or whatever. So. <laughs> 
All right, cool. Congratulations. Uh, you made it through rapid fire. We'll give you a score of 732. Awesome. Do I do I know what that's out of in order to put it into context, or is that part of the, the mystique of the show? It, I mean, it's it's kind of a whole thing. Um, okay, loving they, it. I'm I'm very happy with my score. Thank you. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, so let's let's get into this conversation because I think that if in the world of business, if you are in any type of ownership or any type of high level leadership inside of an organization. And for that matter, now that I just said that out loud, I would also say that if you were at any type of employee in a a type of a small business that is family owned or operated, there has to be at some point in time, maybe, maybe it's more on the front of other people uh, of certain people's minds than others, but there has to be a thought of secession. What happens when Bob, the founder, either is retired or permanently retired. And what do we do? Or, yeah, like, worse, what, yeah. What's the what's the future of the business? What's going to happen? Who's in place? What is the strategy in place? And and as I guess part of the setup for my original my start of a question is a lot of Bob the founders aren't thinking about that because just as we were just kind of alluding to from an entrepreneurial standpoint you're you're all in and the last thing that you ever think about is either retiring or what if something happens because i'm here indefinitely right so mm-hmm. when it comes to that what is kind of the first type of a conversation and and maybe from an education standpoint that you're working with businesses on to say hey you need to start thinking about it even though you think this is so far off so there's a couple of things. So um, I believe that there's really only four things in a family business that can happen when Bob, the founder, decides or it is decided for him that um, the business is that he's finished in the business. The first is the business stops. So he either retires or something tragic happens and there's nobody there in place and the business just shuts down. That's it. Overnight, wrap everything up. The business stops. That's the first S. Mm-hmm. The other S is to sell. So when somebody wants to um, finish up in the business, they don't want to hand it off to anybody. They don't want to sell. They don't want to, to have anybody take on from them. They sell. And there are hundreds of professional services companies out there that can help you maximize that and do all that. That's their business. We've used them in the past, um, having sold a family business uh, just before COVID. Um, that's what they can help you do. The most common one, which is a real tragedy in my eyes is the third S is survive, which is to just put somebody in place to keep things going, not rock the boat. Unfortunately to me, survive is just a prolonged and painful stop Mm. because the market is changing. Things are adjusting and the market is going to start eating you alive and people are going to start um, competing against you and you're going to start losing because you're not all in on it. So survive is the most common one, but it is just a painful stop. For me, what I'm most interested in is the fourth S, which is scale, getting the right people in the right place to scale through the generations, to be able to build a business on the shoulders of each generation that comes after it. So long as that's what you want to do. I mean, you might decide after six generations, you know what, the seventh generation says to hell with this, I'm going to go off and retire to the Bahamas. Um, Find me the second S, find me someone to sell. Sure. Um, the reason that I think, and it, there's a psychological reason why people 
don't think about their own mortality. I mean, there are uh, triggers in our brains. We hate thinking about the finality of our own lives. We hate thinking about uh, things coming to an end. It's it's a part of the, the the basic human brain and the basic human makeup. It's also why people get surprised when their partners leave them because they don't see that death. They can't comprehend that death. So yes, for family business owners, people who identify as this is my identity, being this CEO, it is almost impossible to get them unless you have outside help. Like uh, if it's the kids, if they they're, they naturally feel attacked, like you're just trying to usurp me, you're trying to mm-hmm. the old Game of Thrones kind of thing. I'm coming to, to stab you in the back. Uh, they can't contemplate this. So having conversations with external people and external, um, I suppose, consultants or, or counselors or people can help you to reframe, first of all, how you see yourself and then how you see your business and what it can be. Um, when we talk about, if you if you look at any movie, any book, um, we're looking at a, a, an adaptation or a version of the hero's journey. You familiar with the hero's journey? Yep. The idea of we start off in the status quo. There is always um, either a, a, a sage, a mentor, or a, a widget that helps the hero before they go into the special world. In my the way I frame it is entrepreneurship is the special world. So you grow up or you you become, uh, you start to go into becoming an entrepreneur. But before you do that, you talk to somebody, either a mentor or a sage, or you get some kind of widget or you invent something. And then you become uh, the hero of that story as you go into the, the special world. What I want to challenge current generation entrepreneurs to think is that they need to go from the hero of their story to the mentor of the next generation story. They need to shift their thinking in this because that's how they can um, adjust their self um, image. They can adjust how they see themselves and they can help the next generation to succeed. So it's a really important mindset mindset. And it really, it has to happen with either watching, listening to podcasts like this and being interested in that kind of stuff or having a chat with somebody uh, who can help them to see it from a different point of view. I, that is, I, I love the summary of that. Uh, how quickly can you get from the hero of your own story to the mentor of the next story is, I, I think, is a great concept to start to wrap your head around. Managing your facility, properties, and projects is hard enough. Trying to find an emailed quote in your overflowing inbox is just one more annoyance, especially if there are multiple versions. We're working hard to make your life easier by providing all the information you need in one place. Now you can request service at a date and time that works for you. And we're making it easier to see quotes and materials needed for specific openings, including photos, so that you can approve everything from the convenience of your phone or computer. Log in to start using it now. Visit customer.lockdoc.net. I want to dive back into one of the things that you just said, because you kind of like lightly grazed on it. And I think it's it's probably a fundamental fact, especially in family business. So uh, Bob, the founder, has uh, two sons and a daughter, mm-hmm. and they're all ha- actively working in the business. Maybe two of them are actively working in the business. The other one said, I don't want to have anything to do with this, uh, and I'm going to go off and do my own uh, thing. And Bob, the founder, is now getting up in age, and and he is Mm -hmm. starting to maybe act a little erratic at times, not his normal uh, jovial self that he had been. And the two children that are actively working in the business decide, we need to talk to Bob, the founder, about what the next stage of this looks like. Mm -hmm. Bob, the founder, is very stubborn and staunch in his thought process and doesn't see himself in his own mortality and uh, is very um, put off and 
frustrated and angry by the fact that that his children are coming to him saying that it's time for him to hang it up. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's probably not a far-fetched theory or a far-fetched story. Absolutely not, no. So you just, um, you just said the external conversation. So but I'm going to – let's just kind of start from the basis that that the, the, the next generation has already had that conversation and it has not gone mm-hmm. – it's gone less than ideal. Where do we go from here? Unfortunately, it happens quite a lot. <laughs> so – one of the things, so the reason this is so important to me is just before my second daughter was born um, nearly 13 years ago now, um, I nearly left the family business. I nearly left the whole lot because we were fighting about stuff. We were arguing about the direction the company should be going in. Uh, and I came home and I sat down at my kitchen table uh, and said to my wife, I got to leave the family business because if I don't, my parents will never see their grandkids because we will f- hate each other and we won't be able to be in the same room as each other. Mm-hmm. And when I said that, I had this visceral reaction to it. And I said, okay, this is the last thing I want. I do not want this to happen. I can't be the first person that has had this problem. In the history of family businesses, I can't be the first person. It's surely it's not an outlier. And unfortunately, it is the norm. Um, so I went and I figured out, I'm, like, we're kind of lucky, I suppose, a, a huge part of our business and the core part of our business now is psychometrics is personality profiling. So we understand personality. We understand how these things kind of fit together. Uh, so we did quite a bit of work on that, but I came up with this, uh, what I call the five P's of successful succession. And the first one is exactly addressing the point that you're talking about, which is the purpose. What's the purpose of the business? Um, and you can have the two different generations where the current generation probably has maybe a five to 10 year vision of what the business can be, depending on how long they want to stay in it. But the next generation ideally should have 30, 40 years, like the BHAG type, um, mountain they want to climb because that then helps the current generation understand okay my vision is maybe five years of doing the same thing because i don't want to risk stuff but actually this business has a lot more legs and even if they're 60 70 years of age when people start talking about 30 years down the road they're going okay i'm definitely not going to be around at 110 like like just statistically that doesn't happen so um, then they can start to have conversations about well where do we need to align? I'm not saying it's easy. There are a lot of steps and a lot of different things that can happen. Um, but then you got to align the five-year, ideally five-year of the current generation and the 30-year of the next generation. You've got to align those first five years together mm-hmm. to see this is where we're going to get us on the trajectory to get to there. And uh, Bob was the name of the guy that we we're in our business. Was sounds, it? Sounds Bob Bill, whatever. Bob the Builder, yeah. Um, We've got to we've got to make sure that we are really getting the most, and then you're able to contribute for the five years, and then what you're doing afterwards is consulting. So the the current generation after five years, they're not kicked out of the business. Yep. So the the first P is purpose, like what are we aiming to do? The second P is to pick who is the best person to lead us, and it might not be who's the next per, who's the best person to lead us for the next thirty years. If we're saying we're on a let's in your analogy there, you have a son and a daughter in the business, and the other son is off doing his own thing. Let's say the first we want in 30 years time, we want to be, let's say in in 15 years time, we want to be 20 times the size we are now. Mm -hmm. But then when we get to that size, we need to stabilize and we need to make sure that we are rock solid. So you might have, the daughter might be the out there go-getter sales and marketing person, just win at all costs, results driven leader. She might be the best person to help drive us up to that point. But then once that challenge is gone, once it's just about maintaining 
it's actually the brother who's the process-driven kind of chief operating officer type of person who's actually best to step in then mm-hmm. and make sure that everything is is rowing along. So that's the pick is really important. Now, in family businesses, sometimes the pick happens before the purpose and those two can be intertwined and those two can happen at the same time. If you've grown up in a family called Smith and Sons, you're joining the family business. So <laughs> the pick has happened before you wore your first diaper or nappy. So... Um, The next bit then is prepare. So that can be anywhere from like one to five years. Five years is what I'd recommend is the max between um, the current generation imparting knowledge properly into the second generation, coaching, uh, developing one-to-one mentoring, getting outside advisors if needs be, going off and getting a master's going or doing something else before that. This is in the the real transition of the business. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the next bit, and this is uh, what come. This is the bit that's important for the current generation. They're not kicked out because the next bit is promote. So promote is the two meanings of the word. The first is that the the next generation is actually given the job. They're promoted to the team. But the second part of the second meaning of promote is the current generation has to be one hundred percent the biggest cheerleader of the next generation and publicly agreeing with what they're saying, supporting what they're saying. They can absolutely disagree. But that has to happen behind closed doors. Otherwise, the current, the next generation is undermined and everything is, is screwed for that person. They're, they're set up to fail. So the current generation is still actively involved as a mentor, actively involved uh, coaching and developing, but not running the company day to day. That's the next generation. So what's the fifth? And then the fifth P, the fifth P, just to round it out, is patience. <laughs> you left me hanging there for just a second. Uh, Patience. The fifth P, well, it's patience. So um, it's going to hit the fan every now and again. Stuff is going to go wrong. We're family business and we're in businesses. Um, and just understanding that people are going to be on different visions of, of what's happening. Um, one of the tricks that I tell people about, especially when you're in that promote to patience phase of it, is um, sharing milestones, not steps within the business. So the current generation is still active, still informed. What are the big things that are happening? What are the big kind of quarterly milestones, but not necessarily, oh, I got this email from this guy that you used to deal with, or I got this conference or, because then they, they only have little bits of the information, whereas the milestones is more like board meetings, board level meetings uh, to help keep them involved. So, okay, I'm, I'm tracking with you on this. I, I like kind of this this process. It seems like a a plan uh, that is kind of established, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that a lot of uh, businesses that may be either the start of that transition period or starting um, this generational process of secession, again, going out on a limb here, but probably thinking that it is the first time that that has happened. So this is the first generation that owns it and the second generation that's coming along. So they've not experienced a secession transition before. And Mm -hmm. so they feel like, well, my, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's family or maybe it's not family and somebody else is coming in and we'll just kind of wing it and figure it out and we'll work together. And there isn't really a structured plan. So what typically happens when that is the course of action? So uh, a lot of the time when there isn't a structured plan, it's probably because when the business started, there wasn't a structured plan. This was the the founder was winging it as well and figuring out going, oh, this sounds like fun. Let's let's have a go at this. Mm-hmm. So part of it is also remembering because the 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 real problem with a lot of the the 
dynamics that I see in these family businesses. First of all, it's the personality. So you might have a results-driven leader who's built the business, uh, blood, sweat, and tears, put everything into it. But the business has changed. They're still driving it and driving it as a results-driven business because that's what the culture they're creating. But really the world around them has changed and it's more about social leaders or thought leaders or people leaders and that kind of stuff. And their kids have grown up in that world and the next generation has grown up in that world, but it's still a little bit alien. I don't know if you've tried to teach your parents how to use TikTok, for example. It's like it it's a different way of doing things and they're just not interested in it. But even though that's the way the world is going and that's the way the world, the business has to adapt for that. Um, so what we do, what I would do first is start having like identifying the traits of the different leadership styles within the organization, within the family dynamic, and also looking at the unconscious biases that are inherent in those styles, because then we have like results driven leader doesn't really like the idea typically of um, design by committee or a rising tide lifts all ships. Whereas the thought leaders and the social leaders are very much about that and mm-hmm. getting everybody along and getting everybody together. So ha- understanding those differences and why those unconscious biases are at play. Um, but then also getting the current generation to remember back to what it was like when they were starting off and there's got to be scrap, there's going to be mistakes. What mistakes did we make? No judgment just on reminiscing. Like, do you remember when that client and we did this and we effed up that order or whatever? And like, this stuff is going to happen because it's business. It's the way that things go. Um, And all of that ideally, and actually not just ideally, if you're getting into this, you don't get into this at the kitchen table. You don't get into this in their office or your office. You go for dinner. You go away for the weekend somewhere else. You go somewhere in neutral where there isn't a power play, where there isn't a sense of the phone might ring or something like that. Uh, what I used to do, so we, we would go out for dinners um, and have semi-formal, like we'd be going for dinner to talk about this, but we'd also be talking about what my kids were doing, what was happening in sports, whatever. My father and I used to go to rugby games. So there is a, it's not just all business. It's a, it's a mixture. You're still family. You're still connecting as, as father, son, mother, daughter, mother, son, whatever. Um, and being involved in that, but making sure that you're not sitting in their office, in their seat of power, where they feel that they have all of their rhythms and routines for the last 40 years mm-hmm. and saying, them, okay, everything you've built, I'm about to fucking try something else. Sorry for swearing. Um, I'm about to try something else. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to put them off. Whereas if you're having that conversation in a more creative, like open, neutral environment, the the environment is going to lead them to being more susceptible to at least entertaining the idea of your 30-year vision for the company. According to a recent study, nearly 50% of burglaries and unauthorized entries happen through propped or unlocked doors. We want to help our community improve this statistic. At LockDock Security, our customers want locked and latched doors and openings to prevent theft, property damage, or even physical attacks. We are urging everyone not to wait for something to happen. You can be proactive today. So I want to dive into that component of it a little bit more because I I, I feel like that's a very relevant side of things is, um, it, you know, there's, and you've mentioned it multiple times, the psychometrics, the understanding of the different personality traits, mm-hmm. what drives each individual person. And oftentimes you're, you're coming again, uh, coming up to somebody that is 
felt like they have had a proven plan in place, I'm sure, and they've mm-hmm. they've seen some level of success. And there is, a, I guess, maybe a, a sense of threat, threaten, a threatening uh, threat, yeah. whatever would be the the application there, that you're coming in saying, well, yeah, that's great, but I can do it better. And so if you'll just just move move it over to the side, <laughs> I'll I'll just do this better. And uh, it is it becomes at that point a very defensive conversation. I'm imagining based off of that. So I, I get what you're saying. Go to a neutral place, uh, kind of kind of diffuse some of that. But even so, there's still a lot of that at play. If I feel like I've you know done something of notable worth, and then you're mm-hmm. coming in saying, well. Yeah, but I could do it better. So I I then go back to what's changed in the last 20 years, even if you've been in business 40 years, what's even changed in the last 20 years? Facebook, we were all mad on Facebook pages and Facebook marketing and Facebook everything. And that's now even waning. So 20 years ago, Facebook didn't exist, mm-hmm. let alone be the dominant player for how you got your business, how you got your, your message out there. Same for YouTube. I mean, TikTok didn't exist five years ago, really. I mean, okay, it was musically, but like the the phenomenon it is now. So things change so dramatically. I remember when I used to go to marketing conferences and we would go, we kind of have speed dating type tables. So we'd have a table, there'd be a hundred other tables for other businesses and clients would be coming around. We used to fax people from India and Asia, hey, we're going to be at this thing. And then if they didn't fax back, but they wrote it down, you'd have four people show up at the same time slot. I mean, I remember doing that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I consider myself next generation. I remember doing those faxes and writing them out and getting the stuff in the post. Sure. So, I mean, things have changed so much in the last 20 years that I don't think anybody can realistically say, okay, no, this is the best way to do it. This is the way things have gone. And we're going to continue doing this. You're not because the business is going to evolve and change dramatically in the next 20 years. Yeah. Because how we do business now is unrecognizable from how we did business 20, 25 years ago. So of course there's going to be adaptation and the people who are best suited to be able to live in that adaptation are the people who've grown up in that area, in that era. So I've had this thought before and I'd be interested to get your opinion on it. Um, Some of it's loosely formed, so bear with me. The especially the, when be, it, the best opinions are loosely formed <laughs> or strongly held. <laughs> so they, it's kind of uh, kind of this theory of, you know, your your work um, your work lifespan, your career lifespan may be you know what forty years, something like that, maybe maybe longer, fifty years, and you spend the first you know ten fifteen years just kind of learning the ropes, making the mistakes, mm-hmm. and all those things, and then you have kind of like this sweet spot of maybe fifteen twenty years where you probably probably have the most impact uh, that you're when you're navigating that. And then kind of the last whatever math would be left over there is kind of the um, repeating what you've done before, trying to get the same results, but realizing that you're not actually getting those same results. And and then I feel like so when we talk about generational um, uh, secession, if if done well, whatever that next group is, if it's family or not, they are hopefully in that you know, that early phase, that 15 years, so to speak, of the learning and the, and tagging on that next kind of 20 years or so of um, kind of the, getting the best work done, the most effective work done as your 20 years is coming to a close. And that way you can kind of continue to have the best success. And again, it's loosely formed, but the understanding that at that point, 
I, and I, this is, I guess, the challenge that I've tried to hold myself to a lot is as I'm navigating that going, how can I keep my eyeballs on where we're headed, but also keep in consideration it, at what points my methods are not as effective any longer and needing to make that start to make that shift because I don't want to be that guy that is sitting there on the other side of this conversation. Who, who is the bottleneck. Yes. So I would actually argue that if we are able to go, as, especially in family businesses, so in, in corporates and in businesses in general, they can still do this, but they might not have the same vested interest in the success of the next generation. I mean, kind of almost by design, if you're in a family business, you you are invested in the future of the young people because they are your young people. Sure. Um, and I would argue that, that that 10 to 15, 20 year window at the beginning of your career and the other 10 to 15 year window at the end of your career, both and that, that sorry, that those um, shoulders and then the window is the, the 20, 30 years in the middle. I would argue that we can actually widen that by doing this whole idea of going from hero of your story to mentor of the next story, because it works in two ways. So when you're mentoring young people and the younger people, I, I'm involved in student entrepreneurship and accelerator programs. I learn so much about what's coming down the road that I can apply to my business. Sure. So I'm still learning. Um, and and my, my parents were the exact same. My, my, my parents were, are still in their, they're in their late seventies. They're still learning. They're still curious about this kind of stuff. And where can we implement this? Because they're able to to come in a circle to go, okay, I'm okay, I know more, but I don't know everything. I can teach you so as you can learn the bits that I know quicker. I can learn some of the new bits that you know that I don't know, and I might be able to implement them in a different way, but we can all accelerate faster. So I would say that the best way to to shorten those shoulders and to widen the window of how productive you can be is to have that hero to mentor cycle. So in, in that sense, which I appreciate that kind of feedback on it, in that sense, it's almost like every person, if depending on what phase that you're in, uh, in, in your career or in, in kind of the business is you're continually having, and again, this is, this may just be base knowledge that everybody should be thinking about, but you have a mentor or a sage that is in the, uh, the, Few, uh, the former generation, yourself, current generation and next generation is what yeah. I. And then, and then you have you're also mentoring or staying in connection with the next generation, so that you're constantly exactly. being connected to both sides. Because there's a lot of wisdom uh, that you can that you can pull from, but a lot of new ideas, understanding the pulse mm -hmm. of where things are going from the next generation. Mm -hmm. uh, and it also, I mean, it, it keeps people young. I mean, my my parents say it all the time, like. So we all live together. So the 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 kind of the flip side or the 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 full circle of the story of me nearly walking away from the family business because we wouldn't be able to be in the same room. We actually all live together now. So we live in a, in my family home. My parents live downstairs. We live upstairs. Everything is um, interconnected. So my kids spend time with my grandparent with my parents and. Um, learning about TikTok and gender fluidity and all this kind of stuff that just <laughs> was not in their vernacular at all, even when they were my age, alone when they were their age. Yeah. Um, and it keeps them young and vibrant and, and open to new ideas and keeps their brains elastic and um, it keeps them young. Yeah. So uh, I think if we can take that same idea into the family business, it can only be of benefit. It can only be good so long as the two sides are interested in learning and teaching each other. 
not just monologuing and, and dictating to the other what they know. So just kind of to, to maybe bring a little bit of summary to kind of what we've talked about today, because I'm it's very intriguing conversation. You're not only, um, which I still haven't even asked what your family business is, so we're going to get to that momentarily, <laughs> but um, you're you're speaking on this topic quite frequently. And, and I think that there's a value, I'm guessing a value there of just getting people aware, even, mm-hmm. even the, the current generation of thinking, Hey, yeah, I do need to start. I need to start putting a plan together. I need to get a collective plan together so that we can make this successful because I don't want the first uh, option to, to just the business to just stop. I don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. So what do we start to think about for that? Uh, but you're also doing a lot of entrepreneurial training and and helping to train that next generation. Uh, you've mentioned that a couple of times. So you've, right. you're doing a wealth of those things. What is your family business that you've been referring to? So I, I get into that in a second. I'll do the self-promotion in a second. I just want to, I want to touch on something that I think is really, really important that you, you mentioned there, but people who are thinking of turning this into a family business or who might be thinking, Oh, my kids are just teenagers or my kids are like there. I I've got 30 years left in my business mm-hmm. and that's absolutely fine. But if you have any semblance that it is something that you'd like to pursue, I want you, I would encourage people and challenge people to think about this um, mind exercise, thought exercise of no family member should ever join a family business. That a family business should join the family member. So what are their strengths? What are their interests? Hmm. If we've got 30 years before the, they're realistically interested in t- or going to be able to take over the business, what trajectory can I just gently put us on now that just a 1% difference now that in 10 years time is going to be able to meet them at their stride. So as they're going forward, the example, I I had a client and a friend of mine, real CEO type, real out there driving the business, getting the sales in, but his son is not like that at all. He does not like the, he's not a people person. He is an amazing process mind. Like he thinks in processes, he thinks in making things streamlined and and automated and being able to make things better and more effective and more efficient. So we've come up with an idea that in a couple of years time, when my friend and my my, when my friend um, is thinking about starting to hand over the family business, they're going to take in an external CEO. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, we are going to pay you a ton of money. You're going to be tasked over the next eight to 10 years to bring the business from four to 12 million. Mm-hmm. You, but when you're finished that, you're going to get an amazing bonus, golden handshake, golden parachute, out you go. You have an amazing resume to be able to go and get a job in a, in a huge organization. But my son is going to work side by side with you as COO. Mm-hmm. Once we get to that point, we kind of said 12 million in, in a couple of years time, it might be 15 with inflation or whatever, but whatever is that point to say, once we get to that stabilization, we have the penetration we want. Now it's about optimizing. The example that I've used is Steve Jobs and Tim Cook, like Steve Jobs has grown, 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 but Apple has never been more profitable. They haven't really invented anything since sure. Steve passed away. Yep. So using the same analogy, how can we set the business up for the absolute success for where the sun is, where the next generation is going to absolutely thrive? Because we've recognized that the sun is not going to come in and fill the current father's footsteps or uh, shoes. It's not his interest. It's not his personality. It's not his ability. It's not his, he's just not going to do it. He's going to, he's going to be set up to fail in that position. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we can get the position, get the business to be in such a place that when he's ready to step in, it is ready for him to, dominate. Then that's the thinking for if you're looking at it further down the line. 
I like I like that concept. So, what is your family business? Uh, so, we had for many years we had um, an English language school, an ESL school, where we taught English to foreign students. Um, so, we had students from fifty countries around the world coming in to learn English. Uh, we sold that uh, just before COVID, uh, when before the the entire industry collapsed. Now, thankfully, I mean, I have a, still a lot of um, very valued friends and colleagues in that industry. Thankfully, it's starting to come back now, which is great. But we had done, I had done everything I wanted to do in that industry. So now our business is career guidance. We do um, individual career guidance. We do selection for companies based on aptitudes and interests and um, personality. Um, and the whole, my, my why and my whole reason for doing everything is I want to help people to aspire to a better future and empower them to get there. And we do that from the context of careers. So we want to get the right people in the right careers. So the family businesses, individuals, companies. So that's what we do. Right people in the right seats on the bus. In the right so in the right place. The right seats. The right seats is taken. I don't think we could really use that as our strap line, but we said we wanna we wanna make sure with guidance training and education, we want to make sure that we get the right people in the right seat in the right places. I like it. Um, one of my favorite things on your website is your uh, your reviews at the bottom, and uh, I think he's <laughs> I think he's a lovely boy, Marie yes. Short, Stephen's mom. Yes, that's oh, my mom. Yeah, she does. She does. I'm a lucky boy. <laughs> I love it. Uh, also, one of the mouthfuls of a uh, domain, successfulsuccessions.com. Successfulsuccession.com. Yeah. Um, or so the keynote that I have is killer family business. So the, the, the keynote that I have is build a killer family business without killing your family. Yep. Uh, so killerfamilybusiness.com will also get to the right page on that site and then you'll be on the right side. Stephen, it was a blast chatting with you today. I really appreciate your time and energy and um, hopefully those that are interested in this and need to, uh, start to just make headway down this process. We'll be in contact with you, uh, as well. Stephen, again, thank you for joining us today all the way from Dublin, and it was a blast to chat with you, and it was really an enjoyable conversation to just listen to you talk. So thank you for uh, all of your insights today. A couple of great takeaways that I'm thinking about. Those four things that can happen to a business, you can the business can stop, you can sell it, or it just has survival, uh, or you can figure out a way to scale the business for options for any business. And it's something that any business owner needs to be thinking about today for the future of the business. Very insightful conversation. You can find out more by visiting his website. It's called SuccessfulSuccession.com. Check that out. Thank you for joining us today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe, share this episode with somebody that you think might have some interest in it. And we'll see you next time right here on the Coffee Break Podcast. <music>